Maybe it's my eyes. Old eyes. That's what it is. Luke chapter 10. Before I get started this morning, I want to, I got to say a couple of things. First off, you know, I can't overly express words, can't express the appreciation that my wife and I have for your your gifts and your cards and all that stuff that we don't expect at all uh, last month. Um, So just want to say just overwhelms us. I appreciate that and I'm going to move on. Um... Second thing is appreciate all of our veterans. I know we we said something and had you stand, but just uh, can't can't say enough how much I appreciate the people who are willing to not only go and and the sacrifice, but the mom and daddies who are who are willing to let their kids go and encourage that and and uh, all that you do for us. If you haven't seen the movie Indivisible. Excellent, excellent movie. I think everybody needs to watch that movie. It honors the Lord. It honors our military. It's a really good movie called Indivisible. And then the third thing is we're going to change up a little bit tonight. We're going to have our 5 o'clock prayer meeting. Uh, if you hadn't been on Sunday nights, we're changing up some stuff. And it's I think it's really awesome. It's been good. And everybody's enjoyed it. And so we have a 5 o'clock uh, time where we meet back in the Willie's classroom back there. And we share prayer requests. And then we have prayer requests back here. And you don't have to pray out loud. You know, not, we, we come in here and we pray. Uh, we just with the Lord by ourselves. And, and so after that, tonight, we're going to change up because we got so many nacho chips left over from the great giveaway we're going to have a nacho fellowship and uh so if you if you want to bring some chili in a crock pot we can kind of mix it in or 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 if you want to bring some desserts and all that'd be good and uh we have some stuff to discuss church-wise so we'll sit around and eat some nachos and and discuss some future stuff in church and we might get into a bible study or we might not so that takes care of that looking in luke chapter 10 Let's let's start off. I want to look at verse verse one in the first part of this chapter, and to kind of get you on track with where I'm going this morning, and then we'll go to the other part. Um, Jesus here, uh, chapter ten, verse one said, "And after these things, the Lord appointed seventy others also, and sent them two by two." So we put a lot of emphasis on trying to 
equip and prepare people and promote the sharing of the gospel because I have to say that, you know, Jesus' main purpose would be to seek and save the lost. He came to die in order that we could live. He went to the cross to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven and set free. And so that was that was the one thing that you see him throughout his ministry that he's focused on is what the Father has However, uh, and so I don't want to belittle that whatsoever. If, you, if you're one here, you go, I don't share my faith. Don't let this be a get off the hook for you. All right? <clears throat> because we should share your faith. And I, I really don't see, honestly, I don't see how you can say you have faith if you, if you don't share it. I don't understand that, how you could have eternal life given to you uh, by what Jesus did for you, and it's radically changed your life, but you don't tell nobody, man. But um, but here's the thing. If you're not careful, you can get so tunnel vision, and I do this, you get so focused on, you know, just one thing. Maybe you don't have that trouble, but, but I'll get to focusing on evangelism and witnessing and talking to lost people, and that's just what I'm driven to do and I want to do. And uh, maybe that's not your thing, but for me, it is my thing, and I really love doing that, and I want to honor God in that, and I want to share the gospel with so many lost people. Uh, out there who are, if we're in reality, who are going to die and go to hell, not even having heard the gospel, and they're surrounded by Christian people. <clears throat> but but you can also come to a place to where, if you're not careful, that you think, this is all there is to Christianity. It's God saved me, now I need to go and share it with other people, and witness, and witness, and witness, and evangelize, and, 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 and you lose kind of sight of all the other areas of faith, because to follow Jesus is not simply... Serve the Lord, come to church, share your faith, serve the Lord, come to church. You know what I'm saying? Jesus changes every aspect of our life. And so following Jesus will absolutely affect any and every area of your life. To walk with Jesus, to follow Jesus means I walk with Him day in and day out. That I'm, that I'm seeking to obey His Word and His ways. And so obviously it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect and impact my life. And it should in fact uh, impact the lives of others around you and so in that I, I wanted to uh to to share something with you this morning it's, it's not nothing new it's not anything you haven't heard but it is like like peter said when he wrote his letter that he wants to call you into remembrance and god god has to call me into remembrance because what happens to me is i, I don't know christianity to me is kind of like walking a balance beam and sometimes i'll lean to this and i'll get focused on certain areas of my walk with christ and i'll i'll, I'll you know let go of other areas and and so God's word continually, it's not just about teach us something new or tell us something we haven't heard. It's call me in remember so that I can yeah, so that, you know, I can do a check and see where I'm at in this area of my life. Because if you're like me, you, some areas you go, I'm, I'm doing really good in this area. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a place in your life where you're like, my prayer life is good and I'm in the word and I'm studying God's word. And maybe I'm evangelizing, but then, then you look at other areas and go, but am I... You know, being the husband that God's called me to be, and am I leading my kids in the right way, or or am I helping needy folks? And so, <clears throat> coming up on the holidays, we're always reminded of family, and I do want to um, to focus this this morning a lot on family. When I say family, I'm, I'm not just talking about your immediate family. This is this is your church family. Okay, uh, church is not a place we go. Church is who we are, and it is uh, we're we're blood bought and blood kin through the blood of Jesus. Amen. And so. So he starts off this chapter sending them out. But then notice notice how he just engrafts ministry all together and starting in verse 38. It said, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, 
a certain woman named Martha welcome him where into her house. Is Jesus welcome into your house? That's a good question. <clears throat> and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted by much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. And so you see a totally different setting here where, where Jesus is going into, basically he's going into the home of, we know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus, their brother, was good friends with Jesus. And he often went to their home. And he went there for the purpose of, of basically fellowship and food and, and friendship. And so he enters into their house there just, just hanging out. And as I studied this, this, studied this this week, this is not something that was strange, you know, to Jesus. Sometimes we might picture, you know, you see a lot of pictures of the Lord where he's standing on the mountain and he's preaching or he's standing in the boat and he's preaching or he's in the synagogue and, and teaching. But honestly, there's a whole lot more said in the New Testament about Jesus just hanging out with people and, and doing a lot of eating and, and fellowshipping with people in so much that he accomplished most of his ministry through that setting more so than he did in a synagogue or, or you know, any other, I guess you'd say, religious-type setting. Think about um, Zacchaeus. You know, he was, he was coming into town, had the big crowd, and, and Zacchaeus was up a tree. And, you know, he didn't stop and say, let's sit down and let's, let's have a Bible study, Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, you need to come down. I'm, I'm going to your house. And he was going there, and they, and they were eating and, and doing what they did. And then when he called Matthew, Matthew was a publican sitting at customs, and, and Jesus walked along and said, follow me. And the next scene you see there is that he's sitting there in Matthew's house, and a lot of other people had come in, and, and he doesn't. I'm not taking away from Bible studies and devotional, but, but he's not doing that. He's just living life with them. And can you imagine what it would have been like just to, just to live life with Jesus and to listen to him talk and to, and to watch him laugh and, and the joy that he would obviously bring because the Bible said, in your presence is the fullness of joy. It had to be, you know, something amazing just to sit there and eat with Jesus, listen to him have normal conversations. You know, Jesus didn't talk in the King James language, these out. And it wasn't always a, you know, a Bible lesson. He just listened and he talked and he conversed. And then you think about... Um, after he had raised later on, after he had raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11, um, Jesus, uh, in, the, in John chapter 12, you see it says that they were back at Mary and Martha's house. This was after this point in time here. And, and it said Jesus sat in a table and Lazarus was lounging at the table with him. They were, Mary, uh, Martha had a totally different attitude at that point in time and she was preparing. Because Martha's a server, you know, her, her whole mindset was to serve. And that's how she showed, showed love and you just see everybody's gathered around. They're coming. It says in that, in that uh, chapter, John chapter 12, that everybody was coming. They wanted to see Jesus, but not Jesus only, but they wanted to see Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. And so, so there's so many different times and times where Jesus was just out in a boat fishing with his disciples, hanging out with them. And, and so I want you to get this understanding is that, that being a Christian is, and following Jesus is not just about... You know, I need to have devotions. I need to have a Bible study, and, and I need to, you know, uh, do this and do that and have all this structure, and, and we relate it to a day, and we relate it to a building, we relate it to a certain time. Whereas, truly, if you would have been here during the time that Jesus walked on the earth, you would have seen very clearly that, that it's life. Christianity is life. It's just, it's walking with the giver of life, the one, if you're a born-again believer, that rose you from the dead and breathed the breath of life into your soul and spirit 
and, and you're walking with him day in and day out and how he relates to not, it's not about the, you know, the religious aspect of it. It is the most important thing is how you relate to, all the way through the scripture, how you relate to God. And we can only relate to God through the Lord Jesus Christ and how we relate to other people. The greatest commandment given in the Bible that Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so all the way through the Scripture, I could give you know several illustrations. Remember that back in the Old Testament, Abraham was sitting in the door of his tent one day, and Jesus shows up with two angels, and, and they have, they have a, a meal together. And so, so I want to encourage you that in your walk with God, as we look at this Scripture, that you look at your life and go, am, am I following Jesus in such a way that I'm living life with Him and, and living life with the others around me? Church has got so distorted in what it's become in this, in this country of a production. You know, you come and you sit and they sing. And, and, and I'm not saying it's necessarily that way in our church, but in a lot of churches it is. It's all about, I'm just going to come in. And if, if you're doing this, then you're missing the point. You just walk in, you come in, you have your seat, you wait, you listen, you watch the video, you listen to the singing, you're like, eh, good or bad, and then you, and then you sit there and you listen to the preaching, you're like, eh, good or bad, and then you go on about your business, you have bought into a cultural lie that has molded the church into something that is not in the scripture, it's not there. You know, the church is the body of Christ. We're a family born of the blood of Jesus. We come together for the purpose of, of edifying one another, encouraging one another, strengthening one another, worshiping the Lord Jesus first and foremost, listening to his word. But everyone here, you have your part. And, and you have your part of coming in and showing love to people and encourage people and fellowshipping and talking. And like, like Jeremy said, you know, we have a place where you can come and, and you have a refuge and you get encouragement, and then you carry that out into the world, and you have, you know, the truth, and you're walking in it, and you're sharing that with people. And so, um, rather than just being focused on serving this morning, I want you to look, and um, really want you to look, and, and uh, kind of, because I know in the next few weeks, we've got Thanksgiving, and we've got Christmas, and, and I'll be honest with you, this is really not a gospel message this morning, I'll, I'll get it in there for you, but but uh, this is kind of a, I want to, shake you up a little bit about where you are with your family, where you are with with the church body itself, your church family, uh, and, you, and and it starts off with this, um, when you look in, in verse 38, give you, <laughs> I don't do the three things, but I, I do have three things I'm just trying to give you, it said, now it happened as he went, that he entered into a certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary, who sat, notice I want you to focus focus first on Mary, the fact of it that it is enjoying the person, not the event. It's enjoying the person, not the event. <coughs> and it says, Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So when you look at Mary, oftentimes when we get together with people, whether it's in a church setting or whether it's in a family or friend friend deal, we focus, we tend to, and that's the way that, that our culture has, has molded us a little at a time. But we focus so much sometimes on the event that, that we miss the person. You know, Martha was focused on the event, whereas Mary, she was just 
face to face with Jesus. And I, and I want there's a few things I want to point out here. Number one, Mary was focused on Jesus and and that she was there. Okay, they were conversing, they were having fellowship. This wasn't a Mary sit down. Let me teach you something. They were just talking and they were sharing and they were in a conversation and they were listening to each other and, and she was soaking it up and and she was there. And what I mean by that is she wasn't off doing something else. She wasn't you know on her phone. She wasn't on Facebook. She wasn't looking at computers. She didn't have the TV going. All those things that draw us away. And and I realize we live in a, in a day. Of social media, I can't stand it if you want to know the truth. And there's some good things about it, but but if you want to know the truth, I think what social media has done, it has caused us to get away from a face-to-face fellowship and friendship and family time. And we just, we're on the phone and we're on the computer and we do our, well, I'm connected with everybody. No, not really. Not really. That's That's not connection. And that's not fellowship. You can you can talk with people, and for a lot of people, it's just information. We just want information. We want to know what's going on, what what this person doing, what that person doing, their business, and all that. I know not everybody's like that, but but from what I listen to, there's a whole lot of that going on. Or you know, you got families that get together. A lot of families don't even sit down at a table anymore and eat supper or eat lunch or or anything like that. It's just scattered out, and we we've got so much going on, and we've got things. And then, but when you see them. You pay attention if you go to a restaurant today. How many, when you look across there, because I, I watch and I watch people, and, and you look across there and you'll see a family of four, and, and, and four, three out of four of them are on a the phone. They're just, I'm like, what are y'all doing? You know, the most important people in your life is sitting there with you, you know, across from you, and you're, you're off, you're not there. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes in a marriage, you've got that where where it's just not there. You're you're sitting there in the same house, in the same room, maybe the same table. Maybe you're sitting in the, in the bed before you go to sleep, and it's on the phone, and it's you know watching this or doing that, or you know. And I know that that's probably touching ninety five percent of the people here. And I'm not, and you do with this message what you want to do with it. And I'm not saying that there's something that's necessarily evil about that, and I'm not judging nobody. But I'm saying if that consumes you, it's consuming more than you it's consuming God's you know relationship and it's consuming the relationship God wants you to have with other people but but she's there and she's face to face and and she's not concerned also here's another thing she's not concerned about the you know how great the house is decorated or if the or if the sofa he's sitting on is leather enough or if he's noticing all the things that she's got you know hanging on the walls because some people you know are about that it's about well we're going to have you know a family get together or we're going to have some friends over and so I want to make sure and we start focusing on the house and everything's got to be just right it's got to be perfect so when they walk in they go oh, you know and that kind of response and maybe that's not you but you know honestly I can remember back my my granny and and uh, my papa back then uh, they didn't have no fancy house. You know, they, they lived back in the day where really none of that stuff really mattered. I'm probably, you know, born 50 years too late for the way that I'm built, but, but it was always good. It was always an awesome spirit of house, always welcome. You know, I couldn't hardly ever, we lived down the road a little ways from back when I was a, 12 to 15, you know, I'd ride a motorcycle over there and hang out. And it didn't matter what time of the day it was. You walk in, and Granny always wanted to fix you something to eat or give you something. She'd go through the whole pantry and refrigerator. And, and she would, it was crazy to us. She'd just sit down and just talk and listen to you. As weird as this might be, I was a young person. I loved just sitting there talking to her. And for some young people today, you know, that's weird. When you get around the door, somebody talk to kids for a second. When you get around the adults, some of you kids are so 
enveloped in a phone. You can't even function without it. I think you ought to throw the piece of junk away and never look at it again is what I think. Go back to a roto dial, but that's just my opinion. But but here's the thing. Do you realize you don't always have the time with your mom and dad? And some of you might say, great, one day you won't say that. You don't always have the, that opportunity with your grandparents or your mom and dad or even friends there and you're so caught up in keeping up and being, you know, on the phone, in the social media and texting 3,000 texts a day, that all stuff. I'm thinking, and you're, and you're living with strangers in your house that, that bore you and brought you into this world. Put that junk down and ask your mom and dad some questions and build a relationship with them. Because when you get older, listen to you, your mom and dad ain't there just to finance you. They're there, but they brought you into the world because God blessed them with you. And, and you can have, as a teenager, an awesome relationship with your parents. And you should. And if you don't, then you've listened to the rest of the world rob you of what God intended for you to have. Right. And in that, um, I also wanted to point out, you know, Jesus wasn't looking for entertainment. He wasn't, you know, saying, hey, you know, what do we have to eat? You know, is it good food? Have you ever done that at somebody's house? They invite you over and you're like, man, I wonder what we're eating. Who cares? But sometimes we do that. What are we going to do? You know, we're, 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 we've come to the point where America makes us human doings rather than human beings. We take our eyes off of the people. We put it on the event. And, and we do it at home. We do it at church. You know, if we just came to church and go, you know, today we're just going we're gonna, to we're gonna fellowship. We're going to pray with each other. We're going to worship. No preaching? Some of y'all be like, yeah. <laughs> but it, no, no, no singing. You know what? What are we supposed to do? We just walk in. We sit down. We're supposed to look around. I'm not comfortable talking with people. I don't know anybody here. Bingo. This is this is not a production. It's not about what you know. I hope he's got something good to say, or I hope the music's good, or or you know the light show, or whatever it is. Jesus wasn't looking for entertainment. He was. He wasn't. Also, he wasn't looking at his watch. And I'm not just talking about church, but, but so, just for me, for example, so many times in my life when I, when I meet with people, you know, it's all about schedule. And I've got so much time for this meeting, and so much time for this meeting, and I'm thinking about the next meeting, and, and right after I get out of one, I'll ask my wife, you know, what I got next, what I got next. And here's the thing, you can say, well, that's just life, life's busy. I realize it's busy, but, but I think some of that busyness, we can make some changes. And I'm, I'm gonna challenge you today to look at your life and see what it is that's, that's taken away from the most important thing, because here's the thing, this, this might go against a lot of you, but, but let it go against you. I think there ought to be a time. Notice I said I think. And this is just my opinion. There, there, should, there should be a time. Every day. If, if possible. You know, I know some of you work away and that kind of stuff. But every day where you turn your phone off. Turn it off. Turn the piece of junk off. It's not a sin to turn your phone totally off. So what if somebody takes me? There's tomorrow. And if there's not, bless God. Alright? Uh, but they'll get over it. I've learned, you know, over the years when I first started being pastor, it was, you know, everybody's like, well, I text you, you don't answer. And I call you, you don't answer. I get used to it. Because my life doesn't revolve. I don't even have mine. And I don't care. I love it when I don't have, when I was in Kansas this week, half time I didn't have reception. And when I'm um, hunting up in Redtown, I have zero reception. I'm like, people are like, how do you do that? So I don't know. I wish I could do it more often. I don't, my life doesn't revolve around, you know, social media and phones and text and, and do all, it doesn't. I focus, try to focus on the people that I'm with at the time and, endu- and, and enjoy that. And I know that, 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 that for younger people, you're like, I, I just, I can't imagine that. Turn your phones off. You'd be amazed at what it'll do for your family. 
You'll be amazed at what it'll do for your marriage. Shut the computers down. Men, turn the work lights off. And there has to be a time, and it should be every day, where the most important thing in our lives are the most important thing in our lives. We can say, oh, my family's number one, and my, my husband's number one, my, my wife's number one, my kids are number one. But when we're so focused on the events, rather than focused on the person, you can apply that in a lot of ways. And we get, and what it is, it's like a, a erosion, just a little bit of time, you know. Some of you were around, I'm not harping on phones this morning, but I know this is a lot. But some of you were around when phones came out, you know, they start off with a big old bag, look like a military phone. If you're not young, you probably weren't there. And yeah, and some, some of the most important people had those. You know, you see them walking down the road and they wanted you to see their big military phone. And, and then it went to the next. And, and so much that it has come like, this is, this is life. And this is what you have to, and if you don't have a phone, then you don't fit in. And you're a weirdo, and you've got to have a phone. We've even got, you know, four-year-olds, five-year-olds carrying phones now with internet access. And I'm thinking, that is insane. That is insane. I'm going to move on, all right? But I, I do want to challenge I just want to hang on that just for a second. I want to challenge you. If you're having marital issues, okay, if you're having family issues, if you're not tight-knit, if you don't have time to listen and talk and converse, try this. It's a, it's a crazy thing, but I used to do it a long time ago. Turn the phone off, pitch it, pitch it in a box, lock it behind the door, do whatever you got to do to get away from it, out of your side where you can't hear. Don't just put it on silent because you'll still be looking. Turn it off. Turn the computer off. Turn the TV off. Cook something. That, you, y'all can do it. You can do it. <laughs> Cook something together. I mean, go outside. That's why they got that thing called a gas grill. And, and, and before you turn the computer off, pull up YouTube, million recipes, okay? Shut it off. Cook that. Y'all sit around. Build a fire. It's cold outside. And just talk. Some of you parents don't even know your kids. Some, some of you don't even know your mom and dad. You don't know your brother and sister. Have people up from the church. Do, do something. Even a lost person. Good opportunity to share the gospel. Because that's what Jesus did. He'd eat. Share the truth, people. People were saved while they were fellowshipping. Try that. It, it might heal your marriage. It might make your family stronger. It might bring you back to a point where you go, where, where did I miss this? Because that's why you got a family. Okay? Your family's not just something that should be, you know, technological and get them raised up and go through school and get them education and get them a job and let them have kids and let them start that process over. So, here's the thing. It's not about the event or the task. That's the second thing I want you to get. Not about the event or the task. Notice what Martha did. Here's Jesus. Same house. Same people. Everything. Mary's soaking it up. Martha is wound up. It's only you women. More so than men. And I understand that a a house is a woman's thing. Okay? Kind of, you know, my wife let me know. When other women come over and they see the house, that, that says something. About, you know, if it's dirty and filthy, men don't notice that, but women do. So, alright, I got it. I understand. I don't want people coming over my grass being three feet high, cause that's my thing, okay? But anyhow, here's, here's the thing. Martha was so, and notice what it says, I want you to see this for everybody who's about, Christianity is about serving, serving the Lord, serving this. Notice what it says, it said, uh, and she had, uh, let me find a place, verse 40, okay, but Martha was what? Distracted with much serving. Do you see that? That right there shows you that serving is not priority. Not in the church, not in the home. Serving is not priority. 
relationship is priority. Jesus took, you got Mary sitting over here. Some church people would see this person over here who is wholly given to worship. You know, their, 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 their relationship with the Lord is very important to them, you know. And then you've got the people who are all about do this, do this, or keep up, 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 up in the church. And these people who are doing this are looking over at those people going, they're lazy and they don't do anything. And these people over here are going, man, they don't even know the Lord. And we got those groups in church and where, but here's the point. Jesus doesn't say, Mary, you need to get up and do it. He's like, this is what it's about. It's about your relationship. Get this. In your marriage and in your family, it's not about your career. It's not about how much money you can make. It's not about, you know, making sure that everything at the house and the yard is right and, and all this, all this different stuff that's going to make your marriage good. It's about what you had. If you're like me, most of us, the day that you got married didn't have a whole lot other than that. And, and I was happy. And we've got to come back to a place to go. It's about my relationship because what the devil does, he uses all these different distractions to bring us away from our wife, to bring us away from our, our mom and dad, to bring us away from our, our husband and, and, and those different things. Your husband, not mine. But anyhow, um, <clears throat> to, to, to get us off course. And so Jesus is magnifying the fact of it's not just about serving. Some people think that, that, that being a Christian means, well, I... You know, I go to church, got baptized, has nothing to do with being a Christian, okay? I go to church, got baptized, I serve, now I'm a teacher, now I'm a deacon, now I'm a preacher, surely God's happy, and the Lord's like, there's going to be so many people that just miss it. The Lord's like, remember what he said in, in Matthew chapter 7, they, they told him, you know, Lord, we've done this, we've done that. He said, depart from me, you work of iniquity, I never knew you. It's not about your service. Now I'm, now I'm going to punch this in there. Don't use that as an excuse to sit down in a pew and do nothing. But the point is, it should be our relationship to God that prom- provokes me to serve. So in that, Sunday's not a production. And in life, there's so, there's so many distractions. And I'll just read you what I wrote instead of me having to try to figure it out in my head. In life, sometimes it's the house. Sometimes it's the vacation. And when I say this, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with vacations. But sometimes we focus so much on the place and the things that we're going to do that we miss who we're with. And, and sometimes it's the presents. Christmas time. You know, if you're a giver, you get focused on the gifts and all the, all the giving and all, sometimes it's the decorations and, and all these different things that have to be so right so the appearance is right and everything's there. But, but, but the spirit's not. Sometimes it's the food. Sometimes it's the accomplishments. We get so focused on life and our accomplishments and, and what we've done or what we're trying to do that we miss the people that God brings to our life. Sometimes it's the wins. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about kids sports, but, but just using that as illustration. Sometimes we don't even, we don't even pay attention to our kids. Half of them on the field don't even want to be out there. But we, we're so geared up towards the event and the image and everything else, and it's all about the win. And, and if you're one of these people, you're dead wrong. If all you do is gripe at Junior when they lose and you praise him when they win, you're way off course. You know what? Last time I checked, snow cone tastes the same. You understand what I'm saying? I'm thinking, if your kid's in sport, give your best. But if his best is his best and he still lost, he still gave his best. Or she did or whoever's involved. Sometimes it's the trophies. Sometimes it's the career, or the degree, or the size of the bank account, or the image we want to portray, or the ceremonies. What are you talking about that? How many of you ever had a miserable wedding? Been involved in many of them. <laughs> Seen some knockdown. Now, I'm a pastor. I'm, I've only had one wedding in mine. 
<clears throat> but I have, I have sit and watched people just about have a knockdown drag out right before they smile and walk down the aisle. And it's all about, you know, those of us, some of you have been involved in weddings, preparing and helping. It's all about those last few days where I think, this just me, maybe I'm stupid and old fashioned, but I think, you know, it ought to be a great time of, of family together and talking and enjoying, you know, helping, doing the things and laughing and having that kind of spirit rather than I want to make sure my dress is better than her dress and this is better than their wedding. And when everybody walks in, it doesn't even matter who's standing up here. They're just dazzled by the, by the decoration and just, uh, and the cakes and, you understand what I'm saying? Maybe y'all haven't seen that. Come and stand with me for a little while and you'll see some of it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's not just a wedding ceremony. There's a lot of ceremonies that we get caught up in and we miss the people who are in the ceremonies. Sometimes it's our appearance. Sometimes it's the luxuries. All of these different things become distractions from what's most important, from what's best. And... Uh, we get distracted in our lives, and our marriage, our relationship to the Lord. We get task-oriented and event-oriented. And, and here's the thing. You see what, what the outcome of that is? You know, maybe in your marriage you, you've seen outbursts. Martha has an outburst, and she doesn't just say it to Mary. She says it to the Lord. She's rebuking Jesus. She said, Lord, don't you see what she's doing? I'm sitting here serving. I'm making this excellent meal for everybody here. I'm cooking. I want it to be perfect. You know, and I'm setting the table. Everything, the fork, spoon, the knife has to be right where it goes. I want it to be, this is going to be one of the most memorable nights of your life. Mm-hmm. You've been on them before. <laughs> but anyhow, on to a different subject. Maybe my family's just crazy. <laughs> but anyhow, she's, and then she said, tell my sister, all of this stuff that's building up inside her just spills out. It ruins everything, basically. It takes away the peace from the house. It takes away the joy. Mary's put in an awkward position. Martha's looking at Jesus like she's telling him what he needs to do. And, and this bitterness and this anger. Have you not experienced that any in your marriage? Have you been married more than three weeks? You know what I'm saying, where at first everything, you know, honeymoon, love, love, and then all of a sudden you, you start focusing on tasks and careers and, and houses and, and cars and lands and boats and stuff and make more money and bank accounts and retirement when you're 20 and, and all these different things. And the next thing you know, all that stuff that does not, it, here's the point, it doesn't produce life. And your life gets so empty. You're not walking with the Lord. You're not seeking the Lord. You're not spending time with the Lord. So what's that going to do? When you're not sitting at Jesus' feet, listening, all of a sudden some poor Mary is going to catch it. Because you've emptied out of life and peace and joy and, and kindness and gentleness and meekness of the Holy Spirit. And you have filled up with pride and anger and bitterness and covetousness and all this side. And all of a sudden when somebody, most of the time it's our husband or wife or our kids, are not on that program. Blah! And we just, it, and they say, you know, you're sitting in front of me and my wife going, okay, tell us what's going on. Right before you get a divorce. You understand what I'm saying? Maybe I'm crazy, but I just see it so much. And I want to encourage you this morning. Quit letting the culture tell you how to live. Finishing up. Not looking at my watch. But I want you to get this and I'll be done. Notice what Jesus said. He said in verse 41, Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You are, does this describe you? Worried, 
and troubled. Right in the presence of Jesus. Did you get that? Right there, some of you this morning are worried and troubled. You're sitting here in, a, in the body of Christ, where the, right in the presence of Jesus, and you're still, you got stuff going on in your head about what you've got going today and this week and next week and with your family and with your marriage, and you're worried and you're troubled. And the Lord's like, Mary, notice what it said, chose. Chose. It's not something you hope works out, something somebody else does something for you, something that, that the opposite person that you're having trouble with is going to cause. She chose the good part. How many of you are choosing the good part? If you can't choose, then you know what you have? You're in bondage. You done made some choices a long time ago, and here's where I'm at. This is not one of them, oh, I need to pray afterwards <laughs> sermons. This is one of these things where maybe you need to go home and sit down. With your husband or your wife or maybe your entire family, sit down and go, we need to make some choices. Because this ain't going how God has for us. And it's not good. And it's produced all this bitterness and anger and separation and, and busyness and all these things. And we have all this great stuff and all these great events where we don't have each other. And maybe we need to make some choices to go, alright, then we're going to... And we're going to set aside and we're going to do this. And I don't care, you know, if we've got to drop a sport or if we've got to drop a boat or if we've got to, to cut back on some hours or whatever we're going to do, we're going to at least have some time each day or each week. Don't, don't get into the hope because here we do. Well, remember next, you know, August we're going on a week long vacation. Whoop the stinking do. Well, you live with these people every day. Why not know them and enjoy them every day? Because you don't have the promise you're going to have them tomorrow. You don't, you're not sure you're going to be able to take those kids to Six Flags next June. Okay, We might bury them in May. And that's the God's honest truth. And so you've got to take the Lord said, you know, think about the things of the day. Tomorrow's got enough trouble for itself. You're not promised tomorrow. Enjoy the opportunity. So let me give you some suggestions, suggestions, alright? Number one, sometimes a sandwich and a glass of tea and a joyful spirit is better than a ribeye with an attitude. You don't always have to be perfect and fancy and great. And for you husbands and wives that don't date, that's weird, okay? If you don't date, start dating. And when I say date, it don't, it don't always have to be, well, I'm going to take you out to, and we're going to go here, and we're going to go up in the spinning ball in Dallas, and we're going to eat, and then afterwards we're going to dance and twirl. Why not just why not just sit together on a back porch, kick the kids inside the house, tell them shut up and don't hurt themselves, and just spend an hour listening and talking to each other? How about that? You know, it don't got to be, you know, because sometimes we get so wound up, and I'm terrible about this when our anniversary comes along or something else. I'm I'm a bigger, you know, I'm like, just to be awesome. And then when it doesn't turn out how I want it to be for her sake, it's not about me, but but just this didn't go right. And I'll get an attitude and just go, I'm ready to go home. Like, man, you missed the whole point, you idiot. You know? Second thing is time with the kids each day rather than a Disney trip once a year. For you hunters, good food and fellowship around a fire over a one fifty on the wall. You women won't get this, but you know what I'm saying. Some of us men who and some of you women too <laughs> You get, just deer hunting, for example, you get so focused, and I'm dead, yeah, I was, not now, so focused on, I've got to kill that big deer, the biggest deer, so I can put it on my wall, and here's four, so when people walk in, they can go, wow, you're an amazing hunter. And, and I was talking to David London, I said, a couple of weeks ago, maybe something, I mean, it was, I was talking, I said, you know, one thing I figured out, I haven't killed no bunch of giants, but I've killed a handful of good deer, and none of them have changed my life. 
None of them had changed my life. And, and the backstrap tastes the same on a spike as it does on a 150. And I would far rather sit around a camp with, with friends and family and fellowship and not kill something big than to be in the woods by myself trying to kill something that nobody cares about. I don't care if Jake killed a giant. I couldn't care less, all right? <clears throat> I hate him right now, and i got to pray afterwards. No, I'm kidding. A peaceful ride with laughter and a clunker over a gripe session and a Beamer. I don't know if you drive a Beamer, but that's not personal. A family photo album of great memories over an office wall full of degrees. A kind-spirited, loving fellowship of friends worshiping Jesus together rather than an entertaining Hollywood production. A life that seems simple and often stupid to the world, but one that glorifies God, brings others to Jesus, gives hope to the hopeless, and ends with great eternal rewards. You know, here's the thing. What good does it do to drive your kids to a great education, to a job with a bunch of money, to to somewhere else to where they have to go live, and you never see them, and you don't impact them, and you don't have no relationship with them, and, and you die and get old, and or you get old and die. And what was the point of that? Well, they make a lot of money. And? What good was that? My grandparents were some of the happiest people I ever met, and they were poor as dirt. And it seems like, and this, and this is my last statement, I guess, sometimes I think prosperity is an absolute curse. I think it's a curse. Because in my life, personally, it seems like the more that I attain, the more busy I get, the more I lose focus on what's most important. And I stop keeping the main thing, the main thing. So that I can have stuff get old and die, and somebody has to fight over that stuff that I had no relationship with. I don't know what you do with this marriage, with this Mary, with this message, but but here's the last thought: Mary chose the good part. When you start talking about stuff like this, you know it's easy, honestly, for for most people. You preach a message on you ain't doing right, you need to do right, and we can pray and go, Lord, I'm sorry, I ain't doing right. I'm gonna start doing right. But when you start talking about actual physical changes taking place. You start bumping on sacrificing, giving up, doing those things. Oftentimes when you look at that, and I challenge you, sit down this evening. Even if it's just for your wife or your husband, go, what, what do we need to do to change so we can have some more time? One of you might go, oh, we don't need to change that because I don't need no time. That reveals where the heart is. That's a hard exception, but if you look and go, I'm not willing to give up this, that, that, turn the phone off, blah, blah, so I can have time with you. Something ain't right. Some ain't right. And in the church, when we go, you know what, I'm, I, I, I like it the way it is, and I, I just want to come in, sit, absorb it, soak it up, and go on about my business. Something ain't right. Because Jesus came to give you life. Life, give it to you abundantly, not stuff, but abundant life. To give you awesome relationships. Because here's the thing, the people you're sitting in this room with is the only thing that's going to eternity. These chairs are going to burn up. This wonderful building is going to burn up. All the stuff that's parked out in the parking lot is going to burn up. Think about this. This reality. In less than 50 years, every car out here will be somewhere in a junkyard crushed. Or some poor fool will be rebuilding it. <laughs> and so when you look at life like that, you go, so, so what did God give me life for? For the people you're sitting in this room with. For the people you're going home with. For the people you're eating lunch with. For the people that you're trying to reach for Jesus. And that's all it's about. 
And if you ain't about that, then you've been duped. And you need to come back to a place to go, man, maybe I need to make some changes to where I can enjoy. I'm preaching to myself, but this week when you, when you, when you got time to sit a little while in the woods, you got a lot of time to think, Lord, sometimes that's when He speaks. And I come back and I, I told my wife, I said, I'm probably not going to kill nothing big worth a flip this year, but I'm okay with that. Because I want to focus on what I used to focus on, you know. I want to have time with, with the people that I spend time with and I want to spend time with my kids. And, and I came back home and cooked and we had, you know, me and her and Kristen because the other two done deserted us. But we cooked and we sat down at the table and we laughed and talked. And I thought, Lord, this is, this is life. This is, this is what I want to do. I, I don't want to get so caught up in the culture that it robs me of everything. Because Jesus said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What does the world have for you that it's taken away the only thing that God's given you of life and your friendships and your family? Man, we need to make some changes. So will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? <clears throat> I know this is not a gospel message, but I do want to give you the opportunity right where you stand. You don't have to come down front. Maybe you're here today and you go, I, I need life. And you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. It's more than a church thing, a religious thing, so much more. It's knowing the Lord who can change you and can change everything by God's grace through what Christ has done for you. He offers you the free gift of life. If you'll humble yourself this morning, turn from your sin and turn to Jesus. He said He'd save your soul, give you life. And if you're here and you're having troubles in relationships with other people, I guarantee you He can fix it. Lord, I love you, God. I thank you so much for the life you give us. So many times we we run away from that or we slowly fade away from that, God. And thank you that your word brings us back to remembrance of we only have a very small, insignificant time here called life. And Lord, that we would invest in what's the good part, the thing that won't be taken away from us, Lord. God, eternity is going to be a fellowship of family. In a time, Lord, to just walk with you and know you and worship you. God, I just pray in this group of people here today, you would just uh, just give us a taste of heaven on earth. Pray for restoration in marriages this morning and restoration in relationships between parents and kids. And, and God, and in this church family, we realize the great gift we've been blessed with to be a part of this. Lord, I thank you for my church family. Thank you so much, God, for the love that's in their hearts that comes from you for one another. And I just pray that you would do something great for your glory here today in Jesus' name. Amen. Your love is higher than the heavens. It will rock beneath my feet Oh, if I number my blessings They are more than the sands of the sea Your love is higher than the hands In the rock beneath my feet Oh, if I number my blessings they are more than the sands of the sea. You are so good. You are so good. You are so good to me. I'll never run out of reason.